When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Stock Bros Podcast. My name is Tony, and I'm back after a long break, much-needed break. Sometimes you just got to get away from things for a while, clear your mind. Um, I was feeling a little run down, overrun between work, and I just had a baby and moving. There was a lot going on in 2022, and quite frankly, the stock market was relatively flat and there wasn't a lot of big things going on and this year has been quite the opposite and I thought it was really good time to get back into doing this podcast and trying to help people understand what's going on in the financial world and the stock market and in um, pretty much anything money related because I want to help everybody become wealthier, become smarter, wiser investors and save your money, make good investments And I think this podcast is very helpful for that. At least that's what I've been told. So um, one quick note, I've still been doing my courses on Udemy. I'm making another one. It's quite extensive, takes a lot of time. But um, my investing course for beginners is uh, almost at 500 sales. 500 people have signed up. And got about 107 reviews, uh, four and a half stars out of five. So I'm really proud of that. Check that out. I'll put the link in this episode notes. It's very affordable, very cheap, and it's a good starting point for a lot of people that don't know where to begin. So this episode is going to be centered around the banking crisis we've had this year, which is pretty crazy. We haven't seen a bank collapse since 2008, the global financial crisis that saw the collapse of Washington Mutual, Lehman Brothers, and other various banks. And on Friday, March 10th, Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, we'll probably, we'll probably be calling it SVB, it's a little easier, in Santa Clara, California, had 17 branches, $200 billion in assets, $100 billion in total debt deposits, and $70 billion in loans was closed by California regulators. And they appointed the FDIC, which is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, to perform a temporary bank takeover. So this ended SVB's 40-year run of serving venture capitals. Now, venture capitalists is just like new startups, um, a lot of tech startups over there. And this bank would fund them and then they would keep their money in this bank as a way of repaying the bank and they'd make some interest off of the money. So the failure of this bank caught a lot of people by surprise and sent everyone scrambling to understand what caused it and what are the consequences, what are the fallouts of this going to be. Now, when a bank fails, which is very rare, what happens is the FDIC will try and sell off bank assets and recoup as much customer deposits as possible. And they'll also try to auction the bank assets off to another bank. And this is probably the best case scenario if a bank takes over the bank. 
there's a lot of rules and regulations that they would understand where another industry may not and it'd be a lot of conversions and this is the simplest way to do it. And to keep it simple, the FDIC is a government-funded agency that collects fees from banks and provides deposit insurance and other services. And they'll also do audits and whatnot to make sure banks are following rules. The FDIC insures up to $250,000 per depositor per insured bank. And this happened as a result of the 2008 financial crisis. When the limit was $100,000, they raised it to $250,000. So the problem with Silicon Valley Bank is something that was rather unprecedented. This bank had 90% of its customers' accounts that were larger than the FDIC insurance limit of 250K. So I don't believe this was a systematic banking problem, and I don't think the Federal Reserve or our government did the right thing by bailing this bank out. Personally, it sets a bad precedent because now banks know that they can get away with putting our money into really risky assets. Because the government's just going to come and bail them out. They don't have to make smart business decisions with our money. They'll just rely on if they fail and make a bad decision, then the government will just bail them out. Um, so what actually caused the collapse of this bank? It wasn't the economy. It wasn't necessarily fraud. It was actually bad banking practices. And... There's still some investigation going on in this, but what and what it all broke down to was the SVB failure was primarily the result of $1.8 billion in market value losses in its large U.S. Treasury bond portfolio. So they invested way too much customer money in U.S. Treasury bonds. Now, U.S. Treasury bonds are considered zero risk assets because it's government bonds. They're guaranteed to get your principal back. But the problem is bonds go up and down in value. And even though you might be collecting an interest, a steady interest off those bonds, the actual principal can go up and down until maturity date. So if there's a run on banks and they need to sell some of those bonds, they sell them at a loss right now. And the bank didn't have a chief risk officer or COO for almost half of 2022, which is very suspicious, and a situation that's now being looked at by the Federal Reserve. And the CEO, Laura Isarada, left the company in October and stopped performing the role in April of last year. And it seems that the company ignored the risk of rising interest rates and did nothing to, to hedge this, which is pretty crazy for a bank when interest rates go up, you don't want to have a ton of your money in one asset or the other. And they had a lot of their money in U.S. Treasury bonds, and they didn't seem to mitigate the risk of rates. And it really bit them in the ass when customers wanted to put their money into other assets or withdraw their money. They had a lot of their money tied up into losing U.S. Treasury bonds that were down. So that caused them to have to sell because they didn't have enough cash to liquidate these customers, and then that caused a run on the bank. Now, SVB has benefited from more than a decade of zero money interest rates as billions poured into the bank via tech venture capitalists. Now, looking for some kind of return, they put their money, like I said, into a long-term U.S. Treasury bond. While U.S. Treasury bonds are a good investment because it's zero-risk asset, the problem is that when the interest rates 
start to sharply rise, like we saw last year, interest on those bonds do not keep up with inflation. And when inflation's 9% and you're getting a 2 to 3% return, you're losing a lot of money. So depositors demanded higher returns. The bank was forced to sell some of those bonds at a loss. And when the news hit social media, tech investors panicked, triggering a classic bank run. And from there, it took about 36 hours for the second biggest bank failure in U.S. history to materialize. Now, the bank could hold all that money in cash instead of treasury bonds, but High-end banks like SVB, they promise a certain amount of yield to customers to entice them to keep their money in the bank rather than putting it elsewhere. So if they promise a 2% yield on savings, they may invest in a 3% yield treasury bond to make money on customers' money. While treasury bonds, like I said, are very safe, the principal can lose value while waiting for the maturity date. So if you have a 30-year bond, uh, you, you're guaranteed to get your money back at the end of the 30 years. But if you need to sell at any point between those 30 years, that principal goes up and down in value. So you'll collect your interest, but your value just continues to sway with the markets and the economy. And if you're forced to sell before the maturity date, you'll lose money. So federal regulators reassured depositors that they would be protected and they decided instead of insuring only $250,000 for everyone in SVP, they decided they were going to insure all of the money. Now, the only thing is any of the stockholders in this bank lost everything and they will not be getting any money back from the government. Only the people that had money in a FDIC insured bank account will be getting their money back. So... The pros to doing this is, you know, you don't have a bank run. You don't have other people panicking and going to the bank to try to withdraw their money. Um, the, like I said, the downside to this is now banks think they can just get away with doing anything with our money and putting in very risky investments rather than being smart and strategic. And it kind of defeats the point of capitalism. Um, you know, it's tricky. It's a double-edged sword. I think this is probably setting a precedent for the future. If we do have some type of bank crash in the future, it's just going to be expected that that $250,000 threshold means nothing and you'll just get your money back. And it's also another case of the rich get richer because 90% of the customers in SVB Bank had more than $250,000 in their account anyways. And a lot of these big venture capitalists had hundreds of millions of dollars in one account, which is crazy that they didn't spread their money out and hedge their money to protect in case, you know, bank failures or the unforeseen happens, which always does. So that, as far as a systematic problem with banks, we do not have a systematic problem with banks. We have a problem with this one bank that mismanaged people's monies, um, Putting it in a U.S. Treasury bond is smart, but you also need can't put all of the money in there. You have to you have to be smart and diversify your customers' money. So they're kind of being rewarded for bad practices. And I, as personally, I don't think anybody should be worried about our banking system. The banking system is very strong. 
uh, JP Morgan, Chase, Bank of America, all very, very strong, much bigger banks than SVB Bank. And uh, just a side note, the other two banks that failed, it was, um, I, I forget the, the name of them. There was two other banks that failed along with SVB. These were crypto banks. These were not primarily um, normal banks like with people who just put money in savings accounts. These were crypto banks. So this this was contained to two crypto banks. And we know there's a lot of fraud in crypto. And also this SVB bank, which was just mismanagement of money. So we do not have a systematic banking problem. So I just wanted to clear that up for everybody. When you see bank failures, it's a pretty scary thing. So I'll be doing more podcasts. Um, much more frequently, probably once a week or every other week. I'm trying to stay on top of it and get back into it. Thanks for the support. For those of you that subscribe, uh, I appreciate it. And for those of you that haven't, please remember to subscribe and also check out my link to my investing course in the episode notes. Thanks, everybody. Bye.